0: let's learn more about pascal siakam from someone who's covered him his whole career sean woodley from locked on raptors will join us today to talk siakam bruce brown jordan wara and plenty more on the trade plus finally wrapping up the games from last weekend it's all on locked on pacers today let's do
1: it you are locked on pacers your daily indiana pacers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Crossover
1: time, a
0: blockbuster trade. The Raptors' second one in four weeks, the Pacers' first one since they got Tyrese Halliburton, Pascal Siakam, an Indiana Pacer, Kyra Lewis, Bruce Brown, Jordan Wara, or Toronto Raptors. I've been talking about it alone. Sean's been talking about it alone. Now it's time to do it together. I'm Tony East with Locked On Pacers, and he's Sean Woodley with Locked On Raptors. Sean. You took out the best part of your Twitter bio without telling me, which was naps at couch. I think it's (laughs) been fun for a while. How are you, sir? Are you sleeping enough after a sad
1: trade for the Raptors franchise? yeah like depression sleeps yeah you know it's like oh it's three in the afternoon i could like be productive but i'm sad so i'm gonna take a sad nap yeah that's where i'm at right now also at couch still 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 putting up numbers over there at couch but yeah also at couch was like a guy it was like a like a tech bro from silicon valley i didn't really want to be promoting that guy uh just in case we don't know how silicon valley guys operate i don't want that in my bio anymore um so yeah it, it's a i think it was time him to retire that byline uh. <laughs> I enjoyed it very much um, Pascal Siakam drafted by the Raptors love,
0: beloved homegrown talent all NBA level player beautiful Players Tribune story this morning for those who have not read it yet if this is out Saturday for you go back to his Twitter feed to find it he is I'll be reading Pacers, it before
1: Sean. my depression nap today uh, just <laughs> to get me juiced up and ready in the mood
0: <laughs> he is now an Indiana Pacers Sean which is wild to say one What was your reaction to the trade? And two, how do you anticipate him fitting with the Pacers? Because I've seen you among many people beating the drum that he's one of the more underrated players in the league. It feels like people talk about him different than his actual skill set.
1: Yeah, he's like underrated both in like the national media circles and also, I think, among Raptors fans. It's (laughs) kind of wild. Um, It's it's one of those rare double-edged swords of being underrated. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the reaction to the trade for me, I, I... you know, it felt like it was coming. I wasn't surprised that it went down. The Shams reporting the night before was kind of the first substantial thing we saw uh, about the deal maybe coming down And, and, you know, it made it feel kind of real that this was going to happen. And look, my sort of stance on things was I didn't think the Raptors had to do this. I think they could have very comfortably just extended him and either traded him down the line when his value would not have been clearly much worse than it is to get what they got now um, you know they got three first round picks that are going to be kind of bad picks and maybe one player that they'll have around for the long haul if that or they'll trade Bruce Brown by the deadline it's one way or the other Um, so you know I I think they could have just kept him around and had him kind of see what it looks with Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett and Scotty Barnes it's a different team than it was three weeks ago the team before the OG Ananobi trade wasn't working and I think it was right to move OG But I think there was a pathway here for the Raptors to reconcile things with Pascal Siakam and keep him around. Obviously, they had different ideas and they basically telegraphed their intentions from day one, you know, throughout the offseason where they reportedly ghosted him entirely for the entire summer and then didn't have extension talks and then had weird veiled shots at him being selfish on media day. It was just kind of all clearly trending towards this happening. And so considering the circumstances they were in, where I think they maybe held on too long or you know got too cute with the extension, not extension thing. I think they did fine considering the sort of corner they'd painted themselves into them, but that doesn't negate them painting themselves into the corner. Like that has to be part of the evaluation of this trade. Um, so yeah, like am I thrilled with three not very good first round picks, two of which are in a draft that everyone is panned to be universally terrible? Um, and look, there will be good players, I'm sure, that come out of it, but you know, it's not exactly chocked full of dudes people are very excited about am i happy that it's three first round picks that are going to be probably in the 20s and three guys in brown kira lewis and wara who maybe stick around probably don't like no i I don't think that's enough for a two-time all-nba player in pascal siakam and to the fit question i think he's gonna fit freaking beautifully with indiana man do i for years on my show, and I feel like we've talked about this in crossovers in the past, I have been pining for the assemblage of a Pascal Siakam, Miles Turner front court. Miles Turner was like my Moby Dick. Like, just get that dude on this team with Pascal Siakam somehow, and that is going to be a front court that cooks. And now, you know, in a weird turn of fate, you get that happening in Indiana. I think that's going to be a killer front court duo. The spacing that Turner is going to provide and just like the general amount of space that the Pacers provide is going to be like a whole new world. Siakam is going to be stepping into a different planet when he walks on the floor with the Pacers. He's been playing inside a phone booth with the Raptors for years with a lack of (laughs) shooting, you know, teams. There were some clips going around yesterday of Siakam on offense for the Raptors where there were literally five opposing defenders in the paint surrounding him (laughs) on numerous possessions from, from over the course of the last handful of years, it was a pretty recurring theme and he still made it work. He's having an incredibly efficient season. He's got 60% true shooting. He's like a two point machine. He's shooting like 58% on twos. His three point shot has been waxing and waning, but it's been waxing big time over the last month or so. He's just going to fit so wonderfully on this team and the best players The best player type for Siakam to play with has always been a pull-up shooting guard. Uh, You know, there were some good moments with Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, two-man game back in 2019-20 was instant buckets. The Raptors were the number two clutch time team in the NBA that season, and they basically did it by running Siakam Lowry or Lowry-Siakam inverted pick and roll all season long and they were nails and so him and Tyrese Halliburton the space he's going to be working with the fact that Halliburton doesn't have to do everything as a creator anymore I think on offense in particular it's going to take the best offense in the league and make it even more potent and hard to stop and I think more playoff proof as well which I think is a really important thing
0: yeah the the Halliburton part I'll get to in just a second but you nailed the lead of this that I think is so fascinating Sam Amick reported this I don't know if you read this Mm -hmm. but like Siakam has talked about that the top two guys he would want to play with to fit with him in a front court. One was Kevin Durant. Not mm-hmm. oh, duh. He's, he's pretty sure. good. And two <laughs> was Miles Turner of yeah. like every player in the league, which is crazy to me, but they are a very natural fit in the front court in terms of the spacing, the defense. You know, Turner can de- can defend at a level that apparently Siakam really likes. He can stretch out the lane. Miles Turner went on the record talking to Sam Amick this week in Sacramento, which was fantastic. But I think that is really fascinating. One, that he's mm-hmm. thought about that already. And two, that it's now a thing that his dream frontcourt partner is now on his team, especially because, hey, they have to resign Pascal Siakam in four, five, six months whenever they, they have to mm-hmm. do that. I don't care about math right now. But I think that's a fascinating part of this is that. What he views is the best fit for him and his skills. In the front court is now his running mate there. And you, know, you just mentioned it. I think Caitlin Cooper, the, the 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 goat, the way she described it is like he's a piece of paper. He just fits through like every gap on yep. the floor with the basketball. And now the gaps are going to be enormous. You could drive a yeah. car through lots of them with Miles Turner and Tyrese Halbert on the floor. Thing two you nailed is I, I don't want to step on Kyle Lowry's toes. Amazing player. Um, sure. Would you say that Tyrus Albert is the best passer Siakam's ever played with?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Scotty Barnes has a case, but right. Halliburton is a way more refined, you know, lead creator at this point, right? Yeah. Like, he's just it, and man, the hit ahead stuff, like, get ready. <laughs> Pascal Siakam has made a name as like one of the best transition finishers in basketball, going even back to his first season as a rookie where he started. Because of a freak injury to Jared Sullinger, Uh, he started the first like 40 games of his career and basically only ran the floor and finished hit-ahead passes from Kyle Lowry, who was doing his best (laughs) Jalen Hurts cosplay the entire time. It was awesome. Um, And and, like that has always been a Siakam thing. He has been just devastating as a transition finisher his entire career. This year, working with Scotty Barnes in particular, like those two running the break together was instant buckets. And I think it's going to be very much the same with Halliburton. Like the, the offensive fit... I have zero questions about, oh, but Pascal doesn't shoot threes at 38%. Who cares, man? He does everything (laughs) else incredibly well. And, you know, he can still knock down a corner three. He can do that stuff. But I think the way he's going to suck defenses in is going to just benefit everyone working around him, and you're going to get like a way, like a way higher volume of catch and shoot stuff for Halliburton. You're going to get a way higher volume of catch and shoot stuff for Heald. Like it's just going to be this amplifying effect to all the shooting they already have on this team. Yeah. To have someone who can plunge into a defense and score and also play make from that spot. Siakam's been like a five assist guy, uh, you know, for the last like four or five years. He's a really underrated playmaker as well. It's just such a clean, awesome offensive fit.
0: <laughs> <all> my points <laughs> yeah okay the shooting's funny he's like what 34 and a half percent the last six years of his career like that's yeah fine. he's
1: like a slightly that's below fine. average three-point shooter in the net right that's like fun. he'll have up down up seasons up and down seasons
0: and he's like 40 the last two months something mm-hmm. crazy um he's gonna this is hilarious but this is just the pacers roster he's the worst shooter in the rotation now yeah right like he doesn't need to make that many threes um but you nail that He's still efficient because he makes everything inside the arc. I think he's at like 77% at the rim this season, which is like yep. a fake. That's a fake number, right? That's not like an actual thing. Um, yeah. And the thing, okay, there's two things we have to get to before we get to the Raptors side of this. One is I think his biggest contribution in terms of being a creator is when Halburn's not in the game, right? Like obviously mm-hmm. they are going to pair well 100%. and and him scoring next to Halburn is going to be like a cheat code, but they already have the best offense in the NBA. Like <laughs> there's only really so much you could add to that. Mm-hmm. but when halberton's off i'm having another guy who's like like if they stagger those guys they're guaranteed to have a good offense all the time and i think that's really significant so even though i think their pairing is obviously fantastic the fact that siakam can put it on the floor get his own shot is a huge deal for the pacers to add that level of player to their team and he can pass which is something else i've been banging the drum on the pacers of is they need a second guy to do that kind of stuff as mm-hmm. much as they have guys who can not all of them can do it consistently or every game, right? They 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 have a lot of talent. Miles Turner's been a good second guy a lot of the time. Matherin's done it sometimes. Aaron Eastman's done it sometimes, right? But having one like, oh, this is who's doing it every game is the last thing. Last question for me before we get to yeah. Raptors. I have characterized his defense as average yeah. on this show this week. Would you say that's correct? Too high? Too low? Is it waning? Where do you stand on that?
1: Yeah, he's not the defender he used to be, right? If you go back to the bubble, for which he's much maligned for having a rough offensive <laughs> run against the Celtics in particular, and like rightly so. He was really bad on offense in that series. He was also, like, that was one of the single best runs of defense I've ever seen a Toronto Raptor play. He made lineups that featured Kyle Lowry, Fred VanVleet, and Norman Powell 1, 2, and <laughs> 3 viable against the Boston freaking Celtics in the playoffs, because He was that good as a backline help guy, as a backline rim protector, as a small ball five. He's not that guy anymore. He, he does not have the same juice as a defender. But I do think a part of his drop-off this season can probably be attributed to the fact that there was a giant cloud of uncertainty hanging over this team and his future. And it was pretty clear he wasn't really in the long-term plans. We saw this happen with OG and Obi the last month or so before he got traded to the Knicks. He was basically quiet quitting on defense. And then he goes to the Knicks and all of a sudden the best defense in the NBA and Tom Thibodeau is like screaming in joy of, oh my God, I have a single, like a, a one man defense to play with. This is incredible. Like I would imagine there'll be a bit of an uptick for Siakam in terms of the effort and stuff on defense coming to the Pacers. And He's like a smart defender, I'd say. He's not like going to be a sexy box score guy. He's not going to rack up the blocks. He's going to get you know a steal a game maybe, but he's just like a smart rotational guy. If you're sending two to the ball, he's really good at being that second guy with his length, kind of making those passes out of double teams really difficult. Um, You know, I I think. Another thing too is he's gotten really good as just like a guy who can be in front of like a slippery wing or a slippery guard and kind of switch on in those situations and be totally fine and passable. He'll get blown by sometimes here and there, but I think for the most part, he's pretty quick laterally and can stay in front of guys you know, he's not a bad defender by any means. He's, I think, average with peaks of pretty good, I think, is how I'd kind of describe him. And I would hope that there will be more peaks for this Pacers team where, you know, he's playing next to a rim protector who makes a lot of sense. And he's going to be asked, I think, to do quite a bit on the defensive end. Yes. Playing next to Aaron Niesmith I think, will be helpful as well. Like Neesmith, Siakam, Turner as a three Don't mind that at all as a sort of a defensive core for your team. The Pacers are still not going to be an amazing defense, but Siakam gives them a chance of being passable for sure. You know, filling in that spot better than Obi Toppin, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> Since the Pacers <laughs> lost, now Raptors legend Thaddeus Young, and <laughs> I have a question about him for you in a minute. Their their starting force have been like Sabonis and Justin Holiday and Obi Toppin and Jalen Smith. It's like these are fine players, but like not not good four defenders. Mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam is a fine four defender, so one that mm-hmm. helps that alone. And two, now everybody else is naturally playing the correct position defensively more often, which I think is just as important as Siakam's impact alone. Let's talk Brucey e. B. Let's talk Jordan Wara. Let's I guess talk about Kyra Lewis, although I can't really talk a lot about him. But before <laughs> we talk about any of those people, we got to talk about the lovely folks over at Prize Pick Sean, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's very simple. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings Roll in, for example, Kevin Durant, Pascal Siakam's favorite front court ideal partner for more than or less than 28 points in a given game, or Trey Young on the not so fun to watch Atlanta Hawks for more than or less than 10 assists in a specific game. Perhaps not those exact lines, but you get the gist on prize picks with football going on. You can do combo leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made, plus receptions, more than or less than on that, and prize picks has their reboot policy, which they're proud to offer, so you can stay in your entries, even if one of your players gets hurt for football and basketball games. If a guy exits the game in the first half, doesn't return, you'll get re booted the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy go to prizepix.com slash lockdown nba and use the code lockdown nba for a first deposit match up to 100 that's a lot of money go to prizepix.com slash lockdown nba use the code lockdown nba for a first deposit match up to 100 at PrizePicks. daily fantasy sports made easy back here crossing it over locked on raptors locked on pacers sean this is fantastic i have to ask has has Thad Young done his famous quote that he does on every team he goes to where he says,
1: I like it here because my teammates aren't buttholes? I, I feel like maybe that happened a couple of years ago. The Raptors' last couple of seasons have been like a malaise of sadness, so I don't really like retain a lot of these things. It's just kind of like a blur. Uh, I'm sure he... You know, he I, Look, the team also had like weird vibes the last couple of seasons. Maybe it wasn't warranted for him to say that. I hope it's in there somewhere. I'll have to go back in the backlog to see if he did. But yeah, uh, we love Thad Young. And now he's like playing basketball for the team again, which is bizarre, but kind of fun. He's like throwing down dunks and whatnot, playing small ball five, doing it, you know, medium effectively. But it's been, uh, you know, it's been a treat having Thad around it just as like a guy. it's It's always nice to have a dude like that.
0: Thad Young teammates aren't buttholes. Google search turns up that he said it about the Bulls and the Pacers and the Spurs. I certainly hope the Raptors (laughs) have no
1: butthole teammates. If not, that speaks to the culture decay in Toronto (laughs) over the last many years. It's a real crying shame. Uh, (laughs) Tony, maybe I take the reins here and kind of grill you on some of these uh, Pacers dudes coming over to the Raptors in this trade. I mean, I guess first, like, what was your reaction and what is sort of like the general consensus reaction to this trade? Because look, I I think I've made it clear. I'm not thrilled with the return. It also seems from a lot of the stuff I've read from, you know, people not like yourself or Caitlin Cooper who know what they're doing. Um, like, it seems like there's been a lot of really three first round picks for Pascal Siakam. That seems like a lot. There's like sticker shock to it without really looking at the context of what those picks look like or looking at the context of what Pascal Siakam is as a basketball player. And for me, like, and I say this as lovingly as possible, if you don't like this return for the Pacers, where they didn't give up any of their promising young players to get Pascal Siakam on their team, I kind of think you're a lunatic. Am I, <laughs> like, do you agree with me on this? <laughs> I do. Here, Here's my biggest thesis
0: of why I think the value is good. Just bear with me, right? The Pacers are already good this year, yeah. right? So the two picks they're trading to the Raptors this year are maybe in the bottom 10 of this draft. Mm -hmm. Let's pretend that the next couple of years don't go so well for some reason. And so in 2026, they have Tyrese Halberton at age 25 and then like a Matt team, even that's going to return. What the 17th pick. Yeah. 18th pick. Right. So, so the best asset the Raptors got in this trade potentially is the 18th pick in 2026. Possibly. I'm like, that's a fantastic trade, <laughs> like right. The, to me, that right. they're the, you know, and they protected the top picks. Like I think the best stuff the Raptors could get would be like the fourth pick in twenty twenty six or seven or something. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think the value is fantastic. That's why I think that it's not so scary to give up three firsts because one of them is not their own, and it's the worst of OKC, LAC, and they're both awesome, right? So even the risk mm-hmm. that one of them falls off, okay, the other one's still good. So that one's gonna suck. And then the other two are, eh. you know, I think Zach Lowe talked about this. I'm sure you heard about this when he was talking about the Raptors when they traded OG. It's like people are going to be like, they could have got three firsts and they got Quickly instead. It's like,
1: how good? Not are those three all first? picks are the same. Not yeah. all firsts are created equal. We have to tattoo right. this on everybody's forehead who follows <laughs> the NBA, please. And Quickly's great. He's really good. Yeah. Man. Right. So yeah, as yeah like seen that him. draft. Pick, that draft pick could be anybody. It could even be Emmanuel Quickly. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. We're so pit so, brain
0: poisoned. It's
1: ridiculous. Anyway,
0: so that <laughs> part alone, I'm like, okay, that's good. And you nailed the other part. That's important. Is if they if their team clicks now, that's great. They're already good. If they still feel like they need another piece to get awesome, hey, they still have Ben Matherin, and Walker, Aaron Neesmith, Andrew Nemhard, and th- two tradable firsts to like do that. And Obi Toppin, and Jalen Smith. And it's, it's like, there's st- it's fine. It's just how, fine.
1: Like, how? did the Raptors not even get Obi Toppin in this trade? A guy <laughs> who is now blocked by Pascal Siakam. Jairus Walker, now blocked by Pascal Siakam, presumably for the next four or five years. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's...
0: Yeah, that... What kind that's of
1: nudes of Masai Ujiri does Kevin Pritchard have? Like, so Tuesday funny. night, when we
0: only had hmm. heard the Shams Amick report, my guess on Lockdown Pacers was that Obi was going to be some of the salary. <laughs> sure, to, yeah. To before we not knew even well, yes, yeah, so get to before this Kyra Lewis part, which that's cool. I can't tell you anything about him. I think the Raptors signed with the G League today. There, we talked about Kyra Lewis. Yeah, we great. We, oh.
1: we covered. Check the box. We're
0: good. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, you know, you see three first and, you know, everybody's going to go, like, make that face. Like, what? But mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great trade for the Pacers value-wise, given they keep him and given it's not crazy. Uh, mm. it might have to be the Pistons are gonna, t- they have a lot of calf space. The Sixers have a lot of cap space and that's unique, right? A good mm-hmm. team, but presuming the Pacers can keep him, which every insider has suggested that that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah, it's fantastic. I think. And as, as you know, Jordan Wara and Bruce Brown and Kyra Lewis are all expiring contracts, like no long term yeah. value loss there either. So. Yeah, the return, I think, for the Pacers is very good, uh, as you've seen on the other side.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to have, like, in the NBA, if you're going to be a real team, you're going to probably have two Max guys. And are the Pacers going out and shopping at the very top of the market for Max guys? A, no, because free agency's dead, and Pascal C. is the best free agent this season anyway, assuming Paul George signs on. And and B, like, again, like, you're the Pacers. Like, this is no shot against, you know. Everyone, every Pacers fan knows. It's the same plight the Raptors have. You're just not signing High-end free agents. If even you can get a a guy re-signing. In the door.
0: Even if they right. re-sign him, it's the best signing in Pacers. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: And I also think like the fear of what Siakam is going to age like on his next deals may be a little overblown as well. Like he's already had a bit of an athletic decline, and it has not affected his offense whatsoever. It's affected his defense, sure, but He's just, on offense, he's craft, he's guile, he's angles, he's like a really, he's kind of like big man DeMar DeRozan, frankly. like There's a lot of similarities between those two former Raptors legends, and DeMar aged beautifully because he's crafty. He's just like, he's got the old man game. Pascal Siakam is going to be schooling dudes at the Y when he's 55 with his old man game, and I think... At the very worst, he ages by the end of this contract into being something slightly less than a max player, sure, but I don't think he's going to, like, fall off a cliff by any means. He's been very durable throughout his career for the most part, even with a couple of big injuries. They've kind of happened in the offseason or early in seasons and stuff like that, and he's been able to return. Uh, You know, he led the league in minutes over the last three seasons combined. Like, he he racks up the minutes, he plays a ton, and he usually stays pretty healthy. I, I think, you know... Yeah, maybe by the end of his deal, when he's 33, 34, he's not the same player he is now. But you got at least two or three years of, I think, prime Pascal Siakam left. And then, you know, you'll still have Tyrese Halliburton, who's going to be giving you way more than the the, the <laughs> surplus of max value or whatever yeah. we're talking about here. And they also have all these young guys who can fill in and be sort of cheaper role players on the margins as well. I, I think it's just uh, it, it's it's a perfect fit all around. Let me ask you about some of the guys coming to the Raptors here uh you know bruce brown obviously my question is he the coolest player in the world (laughs) uh i like one game in i'm infatuated i hope the raptors don't trade him um you know i got got into this a little earlier on the episode on the solo part i do um so if you're on the raptors feed you hear my thoughts on why they should just keep bruce brown but uh you know he, he just seems extremely rad i can't imagine it was like a thrill for the Pacers to give up on a guy like that. I know he hasn't been incredible this season and maybe hasn't been worth the 22 million buck balloon payment, but uh he just oh. seems like a pretty awesome dude to have around and a guy who just knows how to play basketball.
0: Yeah, okay, he, he, here's my 22 million argument. If yeah. you know when you're signing a guy that you have to clear the salary floor and you could trade him for Pascal Siakam, I think he's worth every penny. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you saw the peak why I've been higher on Bruce Brown than Pacers fans game from him against the Bulls last night. Okay, yeah. he, he can do a lot of stuff, right? With the yeah. Nets, he was a center, which is crazy because he's short. With the Pistons, he was like this weird cutting wing. Everything's weird with the Pistons. And with mm. the Nuggets, he was a backup point guard. So he's kind of played every role his whole career. So you can put him out there in a lot of ways and expect mm. good things. And so what that leads to is – a lot of times it's like you get Andy's a good defender. So you can have him out there in so many lineups, so many roles, and he's going to give you positive value where fans got down on him with the Pacers is he was playing through this knee injury in, in December and his shooting splits dropped a lot. And admittedly, not not making shots is a bad thing, but sure. Like, like cut that out of it, right? From the time he, from December 4th to when he left and stopped playing because of his injury. He shot 39% for 10 games. Like, it was rough. But the thing that always impressed me about him, and I think is why I value him as a player more than other people, is he doesn't mess up, right? Yeah. He does not make, like, he's out of position and lost on defense mistakes. He's clogging up the paint on paint on offense mistakes. He's over-dribbling or under-dribbling, or his his timing's off. Like, he doesn't mess up, and he doesn't turn it over that much. His turnover rate with the Pacers was pretty low. It's always been, a like, the last three years, about 10%. And then... He goes to the Raptors first game. Of course, he made shots, so it looks good. But 15.7 hmm. rebounds, one assist, zero turnovers. Didn't mess up yeah. that much. He's been on the team for you know a, a skip and a hop, right? Like That is just why I value valued him as a player so much is he can defend and he doesn't mess up. He's just smart and heady. And I think that's really valuable as a player. And the shot might come and go. It's not his strength, but because he can play, wear so many hats and not mess up, you can do anything with him.
1: Yeah, I, I think you, know, you don't happen into becoming – an extremely essential player on the NBA champions by accident, <laughs> yes, right? Like yes. <laughs> he's like an elite knows where to stand guy, which is like a, a really important test to pass. It's boring, I look, but guy. It's so <laughs> yeah. Like, look, man, the NBA, I know we all just want all the stars and all the dudes who do the points and all that. Like you gotta have glue. You gotta have connectors. You gotta have yeah. guys who grease the wheels for others who can finish plays, who can do the smart stuff that, keep possessions moving and Bruce Brown very much does all that on top of just being extremely cool and rad like he's like did he he wear a cowboy hat last night he did not. He wore a Colorado Avalanche hat, which also. Oh, he loved handy. the abs. He's got an abs jersey, too. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, yeah that's uh, I mean, look, man, he, he's, I think, around similar ages to us. He's a little <laughs> bit younger. But that was that was the team, man, the, the team with the purple and the teal. That was the cool team back in the yeah. day. I understand that. Again, great taste. Bruce Brown, country music, he's cool. hockey. He's going to fit <laughs> into anywhere he goes. Right. Um, And everyone hates the Leafs this year. So I don't think it'll be bad. He has different <laughs> uh, like allegiances hockey wise oh, either. Yeah. Let me ask you about Jordan Wara to get out of here. Um, yep. obviously, you know, lost his rotation spot a little bit this season with all of the different forward depth they have had there, OB top and, and, and you know on down the line. He had a nice little run of twenty four games last year where he put up numbers on a Pacers team that wasn't really doing a whole lot down the stretch, obviously. Um, where are you at with Jordan Wara and his potential to be a piece for the Raptors? Obviously his deals up at the end of the season. It's going to be kind of audition time for him here with Toronto. They need a 6 eight wing. They just traded all of the ones they had. And like, so now that he's like kind of filling a vacuum there. Um, you know, I, I think he's probably gonna get some run and some bench looks here for the Raptors. But uh curious, you know, is there any sort of optimism you can uh share t- for Toronto Raptors fans to feel good about the addition of Jordan Wara as part of this trade? Optimism he can score. <laughs> he can freaking mm-hmm. put the ball in the basket, right? His
0: whole career, even with the Bucs when he won a championship like Those guys were like, yeah, dude, we know that Jordan's a great offensive player, you know, and (laughs) that that 24 games he had after being traded to the Pacers last year when he was in their rotation, he was like starting sometimes and scoring 15 points every night. Like he was really good on inside the arc. His passing was better. Like sometimes it just takes opportunity and he clicks. He's not a good defensive player. You know, that is where his weakness lies. He's not the quickest dude. He lost a bunch of weight this past summer. I think he got down to like 210, 215 ish, which helped Mm -hmm. him play the three and the four which is pretty valuable, um, but he still has work to do on that end. But, I mean, he, he that dude can make shots from, like, anywhere, right? And that is, of course, a valuable-ish thing in the NBA. For a minute, until Tyrese Halliburton was like, oh, yeah, I'm the best player ever, he had the <laughs> Pacers franchise record for points in a quarter, right? He had 25 Crazy. in the third quarter in Atlanta. Like, he can just go up. That's the kind of player he is. So, you know, if you can refine his defense or positioning, he could be really interesting as, like, a bench forward I think he can be on a bad team right now. Uh, he's mm-hmm. just got to be a better defender because his offense, I mean, even this year, it's down, and he still had some nice games uh, playing. And and I I always kind of feel for guys like him who have an established trash rec- track record. Because, trash record. Trash record. <laughs> I feel bad for that one. Track record because now when he plays, because he's not in the rotation, he's like trying to prove himself, right? So like, right. you're not. It's not natural. He was good for the Pacers last year, but like. They drafted Jairus, which makes sense. And then the, if you can get Obi Toppin for two crappy seconds, like you do that. So even if those weren't like plan A and B for the Pacers, just fell into their lap that they got good fours. So they're not going to play him over those guys, which they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So he didn't do anything wrong. It just, it just stunk for him that he couldn't play anymore, which is gutting, but yeah, he's a pro about it. He had a good game last week. And I think one of his last games, they played the Wizards. It was the Wizards, but right. he played well for the Pacers. Um, so I, I, I think he'll be better than people expect with the Raptors, but he's certainly fighting for like proving he can belong long-term somewhere.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, I think that's about all I got for you, man. I, I feel like we've covered this from all angles. I don't know if you have any last parting Sweet. shots or if you just want to take this thing out, but I'll, I'll hand it over to you, my friend.
0: One more break here, guys. We could talk to the lovely people over at FanDuel. NFL season is in playoff mode. Big games this weekend. There's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook plus NHL, NBA, everything over on FanDuel. And if you're a new customer right now, you can get $150 in bonus bets. Guaranteed. All you gotta do is place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com lockdown to make that happen. That's a sweet deal. Win or lose a $5 bet. You're getting $150 bucks in bonus bets. FanDuel, one of the most fun ways to get in on all that action. They have so many different ways to bet, like finding new bets. In their new Explore tab, you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, where you can see all the popular parlays, or you can make your own live same-game parlay. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup on FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Back here on On Pacers. Thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. Check out On Blazers if you still have time before that game tonight. If not... Check out Lockdown Suns for the Pacers' next opponent after that game. What we're going to do now is talk about last weekend, actually. I'm going to squeeze in five minutes of this because I haven't had a chance to talk about the Hawks game or the Nuggets game, which turned out to be Bruce Brown's last games with the Pacers. I was at a bachelor party last weekend for the guy who will be my best man next year. So obviously not going to skip any of that to watch the Pacers. But I tried to catch up this week. It took a while because of the big trade, and I'm done. So I can talk about them for a little bit, and then tomorrow we'll talk more Siakam, Blazers. Pacers are halfway through their season. There's going to be a lot to actually dive into. Pacers set the franchise record in their win over the Hawks for field goal percentage. They were slicing up that Hawks team, the poor Hawks. They just can't stop the Pacers. 157 the first time they played. 50-assist franchise record for the Pacers the second time they played. And then the field goal percentage record, 67.1% of the Pacers' shots went in in that game. What stood out to me was their creativity on offense, right? They were cutting really well and well-timed. Everybody, Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, Jalen Smith, everybody was cutting really well. Did I say Jalen Smith? I meant Aaron E. Smith in that game. But the real creativity thing that stood out, and I actually jotted this in my notes and tweeted a video of it, Andrew Nemard posted up. Three times on Trey Young. I checked Synergy to see how many times he's posted up this season. Almost half of them, one away from half of them, were in this game against Atlanta. They had him go in the post. He was creating shots from there. He was scoring himself from there, right? The Pacers picked on their matchups, found creative ways to score, and it worked really well for them. And that's how you set a franchise record for field goal percentage. You cut a team up that can't guard cuts. You find creative ways to create advantages without your star, and you rip apart a terrible defense. Isaiah Jackson was really great. In this game, and if you want to look at the box score to see standout numbers, 18 three-point attempts for the Pacers in this game, that's their lowest of the season, their only game under 20, but they knew they'd need to find other ways to score, so they did, 76 points in the paint, 41 assists while only taking 18 threes, and the balance was, of course, key again, 73 bench points. That was my thing after the Wizards game I wrote about was, without Halberton, that's how the Pacers are going to have to win, balance everywhere. Everyone's going to have to step up. Obviously, that didn't happen in Utah. uh, That was eh, in Denver. But in the Utah game, that certainly happened where everybody found their role and found a way to contribute. Creativity shined through on offense. And the ball movement was sublime. McConnell was really good. They just got enough from everybody. And I thought that really stood out. And I thought Obi Toppin was fantastic. I mean, just really good in this game once again. And he was a standout from the whole weekend. We'll talk about him after we get to the Nuggets game where a really fascinating game. I think the score does not tell the story very well. It was close almost the whole game. Uh, The really standout thing about the game flow of this one to me watching it back was DeAndre Jordan got in foul trouble in the first quarter and got a technical foul. And that actually might have cost the Pacers the game (laughs) because he played less. Jokic came in early in the second quarter. I watched the altitude broadcast of this game and Katie Wingey, there, one of their um, – Katie Wenge, I might have said that wrong. One of their um, broadcasters said, oh, wow, Jokic is in way earlier than normal in the second quarter, and Jokic was awesome. <laughs> he was really good in this game, significant plus-minus. He was plus 10. The Pacers did well to win when he was not in the game, but – They lost the minutes when he was out there, and he played more because of that foul trouble to DeAndre Jordan. And, like, if you're the Pacers, you know, Jamal Murray, 25 points. Jokic, 25 points near triple-double. Michael Porter Jr., 25 points. That's what you kind of expect from those guys. 75 is a lot, but if you could keep up everywhere else, you might be fine. And they were. They kept up everywhere else. But the separator in this game was Aaron Gordon to me. And I go back to DeAndre Jordan first because... The reason Aaron Gordon, twofold reasons Aaron Gordon was so good in this game. One was he's a big wing, and this was the last, well, I guess the the jazz was. Bruce Brown played against Denver, which was his last game as a Pacer, and funnily enough, the first half he played in that game was I think his best half in a Pacers uniform was in that Nuggets game. Um, but anyway, they they didn't have Siakam yet. It was their second-to-last game before the trade. They didn't have signs for Aaron Gordon. Right, Smith didn't play. Uh, they were lacking the abilities to stop him consistently and stop him well and so oh, this has been a problem for them forever I might add Aaron Gordon into the default guys I name when I look back on the Pacers' struggles with big wings and if it continues look forward you know I always say Harrison Barnes Gordon Hayward I think Aaron Gordon belongs in that group he tore them up 20 points 10 boards for Aaron Gordon he was a game high plus 17 the separator though the reason he was extra impactful is when they couldn't play DeAndre Jordan as much they put Aaron Gordon as a small ball five and those lineups wrecked The Pacers, they were really tough. They were really switchy. They were good defensively. So as many good things as I thought the Pacers did in this game, right, to hang in there, they got good bench contributions. Once again, Bruce Brown was really good, right? A lot went well for the Pacers in this one. Had DeAndre Jordan played a little more or had they done a little better on one of the three stars for Denver, they might have won, but they didn't. They did not. They lose. And they lose to the Jazz the next night. And then that's all so far back in the past. There's been a Siakam trade. They beat the Kings since then. A lot of the vibes have changed Indiana. Got to give Obi Toppin a shout-out for last weekend, my third and final. You can read about this stuff. I put a bunch of stats in a story yesterday. Obi Toppin was the standout player for me um, in two games last weekend. Hawks and Nuggets. 29 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. He was 11 for 12. They won his minutes both nights. His jumper has been so good this season. He's still shooting over 70% league high on twos. He said after the Hawks game, he's having a lot of fun. They love moving the ball. Uh, this team does. I mean, he's just having a really solid season in his role. I don't know what his future is with the Pacers now. It's Siakam in the door, but in those last two uh games before in those last two games last weekend, um, without Halliburton where the Pacers were figuring out how they were gonna win without him. He was really good and deserves a lot of praise for that. There we go. I've caught up on all the games. We were in present day. We have lots of Siakam talk still to come. Uh, the, they play the Blazers tonight. We'll see if Halbert and Siakam play. And after that game, we'll talk about that game. We'll talk more about Pascal Siakam. Uh, we have plenty more to come on the Pacers team. And they play again on Sunday. So the games keep coming and the podcasts keep coming after maybe the biggest trade the Pacers have ever made good to be caught up on the games if you guys stuck through those you're the best thank you for listening to my thoughts on all things pacers be back soon talking more siaka more pacers till then everybody have a wonderful day